I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Isotope Native Instruments and Plugin Alliance are launching a whole bunch of super hot deals for the Summer of Sound sale. From now until the 6th of July 2023, Isotope are offering all their software for 50% or more off including the comprehensive mixing and mastering bundle Music Production Suite 5, as well as flagship tools like Ozone, RX, Neutron, and more. All things I use to edit this podcast. Visit isotope.com and check out the frankly colossal range of things that you can get at extraordinary prices. And take your mixing and editing to a whole new level. Matt. Joe. Um... My, uh, I, I'm trying to think of like more dad jokes at the moment to start each episode with, and I'm going through my, you know, I'm going through working out the ones that are good, the ones that are bad, and I'm thinking like, why are jokes about elevators or lifts, um, why are they so classic and so good? <laughs> why? It's because they work on many levels. Nice. Why, uh, why should you never trust atoms? Why? Because they make up everything. Oh, she. <laughs> Hello, dear listener. Hello and welcome to the Guitar Nerds podcast. I am your host, Joe Branton, joined this week by Matt Knight. Hello, Mr. Joe. That was not a swear. You won't need <laughs> to beep fine. that one out. It's, it's, you won't need fine. to beep that one out. It's um, fine. Uh, welcome back, dear listener. Welcome to another episode of the Guitar Nerds podcast. We obviously last week, dear listener, we had the the Brighton Guitar Show, which Matt and I and JD went to. So we spoke a lot about all of those things last week. It was a little different from our normal format. But this week, we're going to be back talking about a bunch of stuff, loads of things from the Facebook group that you, dear listener, have suggested. Of course, as many of you are, are aware, uh, Matt's got a, a new guitar. So we're going to be talking about that this week. Week. Indeed. I'm assuming you posted that in the socials, did you, Joe? In I my did. absence, in I my did. Facebook absence. Yes, because you're not on the social medias anymore, Matt. I did. I posted it on there so it's saying, you know, saying exactly what it was that, that you know, 
that guitar nerds had purchased for you a, uh, a, a Fender Strat Plus because you've been doing this for 10 years and you've never asked for anything. So uh, <laughs> it's... Uh... Only your undying love. <laughs> exactly. Um... But but on it, I think it was the most popular post that's ever been posted on the, on the group. Loads of comments, loads of, loads of likes, loads of feedback. People saying how much you deserved it. So, uh, so it's really nice. You should Aww, log in thanks. for a day just to see that I, post. I but, should. We should also... Um... I, I'm assuming uh, you might have responded directly, Joe, but the, the lovely uh, gentleman who responded about the, the Patreon in the toilet. Oh, um, yes, yes. Thank you for sending your very nice story about um, you listening. Yeah. Warmed my heart. Uh, and it's always nice to know that we've, uh, we've made a difference to at least one person's life. <laughs> at yeah. least one, anyway. Yes, yeah, that's right. It was a, uh, it was, it was Chris Garner. Uh, he actually, uh, he actually followed up this. But by the way, one of the things I was talking to him about was how cool is this for, um, for a little, uh, a little story. Um, uh, I'll read it kind of directly from from what Chris had uh, had sent to me. Sometime around 1998, 98, I somehow lost uh, the the box with all my effects pedals in it. Uh, or so he thought, as his brother recently discovered the box in his loft and he was reunited with his 90s collection of pedals. Oh. Um, it's wonderful, ex- uh, a wonderful experience unexpectedly finding your exact pedals after all those years, kind of the pedals that you probably like cut your teeth on to an extent, had in the 90s, the early days of like, effects pedal like pedal boards really being well i know it's not the early day of pedals dear listener but but you know there was there was a real standard range of effects that everyone used at that time we certainly weren't using big switches or or anything like Mm. that Mm. um get this for the for the pedals on the board and there's such it's such a perfect time capsule of uh effects of the time uh marshall blues breaker standard a uh, TS10 classic, the Ibanez Tube Streamer uh, Screamer classic, a Boss CE5, a Boss BF2, the flanger, and a DD3. Oh, and of wow. course, of course, a Crybaby Wah. Ah. <laughs> and, and actually also a Dan Electro Wasabi forward reverse delay, but he didn't oh, yeah. get that. Worth, that wasn't in the box. Oh, they're, they're worth about 300 quid. So that's probably <laughs> the only one that's worth something. <laughs> oh, damn. Um, but yeah, I, I, I remember the first time I bought a Crybaby um, and I took it home. My dad was like, oh, you know, what, what's that? And I was like, I was called a Crybaby and I didn't really understand what it would do. Right. And uh, he was just like, oh, I can see why they call it like a crybaby. Um, but yeah, I just remember the first time getting home, plugging it in to the pedal board, being like, I don't really know what I'm going to do with this, but loads of people have got a wild pedal. So I guess I'll have a wild pedal. And that's oh. that's how we all got started. Just messing around, plugging in things we shouldn't. Yes. Um, but yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, yeah, right on. I got a wild pedal actually this week. Hold on, I'm going to get it because I can't remember. I can't remember what it is. <laughs> is it a snarling dogs one, Joe? I've, I've seen a, I've seen a few more of those oh, come up. Joe is digging through his pedal his pedal collection. Um, I'm hoping that Joe, because Joe, I did I was going to send this to you earlier that on reverb I've seen a 
Bootsy Collins signature wild pedal come up, uh, the Snarling Dogs one, yes, the Bootzilla yes. one. Well, I, I sent you a reverb listing the other day of one of the Snarling Dogs ones because there was one for like 99 quid. It was the green one. Yeah, you said it was the one. most average. It is the most average one. The um, uh, Bootsy Collins one yeah. has got a different dog on it that looks like Bootsy Collins. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> I've also just realised... Um, that the first picture has the whoever is the current owner's bare toe sticking oh. out the bottom of the screen, um, but it's got a fuzz circuit on it as well, which is quite cool. Yeah, that, that's that's not what I, need. I actually just want sort of a normal wire. So I am thinking about getting that one, but then JD sort of long term loaned me this, uh, which is the EBS Wah One, which is a EBS, obviously a pretty much a base brand exclusively, mm. and this is their uh, their wire pedal uh, for bass which is it's, it's fantastic actually very 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 good ever does i don't really own any wars I, I always do it with like an expression pedal via the ms3 because i've got right yeah, yeah yeah i've got that massive boss one do you remember that that huge absolute F- yes the pw i've got it here i'll tell you it's oh. fh500h oh that's just a volume pedal uh, no, it's an expression pedal. Oh, it's this, oh, it's got an expression out, yeah. But it's yeah. not a... It hasn't actually got a sound in it. Sorry, I missed... Uh... No, no, yeah, sorry. I always use the MS-3 for the sounds because they've got like a whole <coughs> range of wah sounds and bass wah sounds on the MS-3. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, I use it with, the, with this normally because the, the oversized wah pedal is, is great. If you've got the room on your pedal board for this, dear listener... It, the action on it, it you oh, know, I, I've got one now. So much better. Yeah, they're so much better. I want, I want a big expression pedal that I'm not going to miss, or that mm. I can, you know, that I can slowly move through those phase sounds for without, you know, without the uh, the sort of the seesaw bit being yeah. too quick. Well, I've um, uh, uh, talking about crazy wah pedals. I've also got a Dan Electro Dano wah and the Dan Electro Trip L wah, which are the ones that look like cars. Oh, um, wow. The I'm just trying to have a look. The triple wah has different push buttons on the side for... <laughs> oh, yeah. One side has just got exhaust pipes for decorative use only. Yes. And then uh, you've got a treble on and off a mid on and off and a bass on and off Um, there's one on reverb for 52 pounds right now matt yeah and they're also like uh yeah cheetah print yeah um very cool very breaky they're made of plastic um I, i wouldn't actually step on one and just below that the back torque reverse delay uh 229 pounds so go and find that one in a box somewhere yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah, very cool. I um, yeah, I always feel that wah pedal was most people's second pedal or third pedal. Like everyone, oh, that of, they buy. You mean? Yeah, when, yeah I always feel that every. Pedals, yeah. You know, they have a distortion pedal. Even before, like, I I feel like delays and reverbs came much later for me. Like I had more right. modulation pedals and drive pedals than I probably had anything else like early on and yeah. i remember the first time i plugged in a delay pedal i was like what's it doing he was just like it's like this sound and then just played it and i was like how are you ever going to use that <laughs> <laughs> little did i know that 25 years later 
um you know i'd never turn it off um, <laughs> yeah so, yeah yeah the uh, yeah what <clears throat> i think was everyone's second pedal or you know second or third after a after an overdrive mainly because as soon as you've mastered the pentatonic and you suddenly become aware that turning on a wah makes you sound like some sort of virtuoso genius when coupled with uh, with some simple pentatonic solo. Yeah, yeah. I think that's always the thing, isn't it? It's like uh, Kirk Hammett. You just step on the wah, and yeah. all the riffs sound better. Yeah, um, <laughs> exactly. But yeah, Crybaby. God, you just think how many cry. I know, you know, we talk about. I think when we did Wah's a DS one last year, and we were saying it sold one point. Four million. At that point, I was like, I wonder how many crybabies. I wonder, like Dunlop don't really need to make anything else, do they? No, no, pretty much crybabies, and that's it. And you could say about the same about Boss, but I think yeah, we definitely sure. need to make more than a DS one. <laughs> yeah, yeah um, maybe. Well, but um, yeah, yeah. How about that? Well, let's uh, let's talk about your um, your guitar. Um, Let's talk about the the new guitar that that you got this week, the uh, the Strat Plus. Indeed, indeed. Um, so I guess I'll start by giving everyone a short history. Not necessarily. Well, I will give a short history of the Strat Plus, but also the reason behind the Strat Plus. So the first, actually, I guess it was the second proper guitar that I I owned, but the one that I gelled with. I guess the most was um, in 2005, I applied to go down to BIM in Brighton, Music College in Brighton. And we went down the first time for the audition. The second time I went down, we went into GAC. That was the first time I'd ever been into GAC. And they had that guitar. They had a 1997 Strat Plus in Shoreline Gold hanging on the wall um, secondhand. And I was like, oh, it looks just like... Because, you know, I had a theme even back then because my other guitar was also in Shoreline Gold. And I was like, oh, just, you know, I'll need a backup guitar. You know, I didn't know what I was going to take or anything like that. And I was like, plug that in. I was like, oh, it's amazing. I love it. Um, and that became my main guitar for the next, I guess, really until I started working at GAC and then started earning some money. I think the next guitar that I bought after that was my Gibson SG Standard Faded, which I wow. still have. Um, but unfortunately, the Strat Plus went... Um, at one point, probably to fund something else, as you well know, Jack. When um, Jack, Joe, when you work in um, music shops, you just tend to see stuff that you want, but also you can't afford it, so you trade stuff but in. It's, you sell it's the stuff problem, and, is that everyone's always around you to egg you on to, to do that, make that purchase. So I know. You, you buy and sell stuff so often working in a guitar shop. It's and like I a- and I think those early guitars, you. I don't know, you sort of gel with them, you play loads of guitars because you're working in a music shop and you always feel that those guitars will come back around and right. they, they, I guess they never do. Um, I mean, when you, a Strat Plus is a relatively rare guitar. You should have known better, really. Well, you know, should have, should have, could have, would have. Um, so anyway, so that was the history of, of my original Strat Plus and that was the guitar that I guess a, a lot of my love of guitars and Strats certainly certainly came out of so when we were talking about getting a guitar i said it should be a strap plus we've talked about it on the podcast for years love that lace sensor tone <laughs> um 
and this one came up at a really reasonable price believe it or not in brighton but it wasn't it was a different guitar to my original one and i got it and it's and it's fantastic so for people who don't know the strat plus was effectively the first guitar that came out of the new era of Fender, the sort of post-CBS era of Fender. So Fender had basically a totally tanked reputation by the mid to late 80s. So is that, um, when, when did the Plus come out? When was the 88. 80, oh, right. So it's late in the 80s as well. Yeah, so yeah, I guess, yeah. So at this point, Fender have been through nearly a whole decade of not being very popular. Basically, yes. Um, so, 88, um, I think it was Dan Smith. Um, obviously, he's sort of credited with sort of like the revival of the the Strat, bringing in the first kind of vintage reissues. Basically, you had really good quality Fenders coming from Japan at that point. So, the Fender American brand had sort of lost its way. Right. Very, very much so. So, they launched two guitars, the Strat Plus and the Strat Plus Deluxe in 1988. Um, 88. 88. I think maybe probably the towards the end of 87, you probably right. started to get some. Okay. So, right. so basically the... But 88, so Strat Plus came out in line with Die Hard hitting cinemas. Basically, and this is the diehard of of strats. Um, so effectively, the Strat Plus was a totally, I guess, a kind of redesigned body curve. So it's still a Strat, but it's very much had its kind of it's trying to go back to its roots in terms of its vintage design. Um, but Plus would indicate that they were trying to do something new, something Next. fresh. Um, so you had. Uh, a Wilkinson compensated nut, which later became a Wilkinson or an LSR roller nut. So that's effectively where uh, there's two ball bearings each side of each nut uh, string slot. So basically zero friction nut. Uh, locking tuners, two-point trim. So you're moving away from the six-point to the two-point. Um, it's a lot more accurate. It obviously allows for a greater freedom of movement uh, and a more dynamic setup. Um, you've got solid steel blocks rather than the pressed steel saddles. And then you also had a TBX tone control. So it's kind of like a tone control on steroids for your bridge pickup. But it's uh, not it's, active, right? It's not active. It's basically two stacked tone controls. So right. the zero to five is your normal tone control. And then five to 10 is like, putting a tone control on top of your tone control. So it brings out, uh, some people call it like a treble booster, but effectively it's kind of adding bass, middle and treble to your signal right. all at once. Um, they were solid older bodies, um, as you'd expect. And then they came in a rosewood or a maple, uh, maple neck with a rosewood or a maple fingerboard. You also had a micro tilt neck adjustment on it as well. Classic. So they, so they kind of tried to take all the elements that at the time were very new, but also basically brought the Strat into a modern age, while at the same time, I believe they were kind of bringing out the vintage reissue Strats and kind of going, here's our heritage, but also here's what we can do for... You've got to think, you know, in 87, 88, you think of the guitars that were popular at that point, Super Strats, Shredding, 
you know, they kind of had to have something that wanted to compete yeah. with that. And actually, although there's some debate on whether Jeff Beck actually popularized the Strat Plus was built for Jeff Beck or that he had um they kind of happened at the same time, but effectively the Jeff Beck custom shop they built him in eighty seven had basically the same spec. I see. And even though he never put his name to a signature to it at that point, he did play one or like a modified one built in the in the custom shop. Um, what um, what fretboard radius? Nine and a half. Right. So okay. again, so very modern. Quite modern, I guess. But they didn't go crazy modern. They no, it wasn't like 12 or anything like that. Right. Um, but the big thing, I guess, is the lace sensor pickups because this was a whole completely new design of pickup for the time and i was sort of doing a bit of reading on this so they're basically what one they're completely silent it's the quietest guitar i own like hands down um so if you imagine that a normal pickup effectively they said a normal pickup has unnecessarily strong magnets so if you imagine each pole piece has a kind of magnetic field that comes out of it and round each side to the bottom so it's got a fairly big magnetic pull around it which can create more noise and it can actually drag the strings and dampen the sustain where a lace sensor um, works in a slightly different way where there's a radiant field that eliminates any 60 cycle hum sorry ryan and steve um and then effectively has a less magnetic pull um with a smaller field so you get a quieter pickup you get less magnetic pull so you get more sustain and the way i would describe it is they just sound like the most stratty strat pickups like for me i always think the ultimate strat tone is um Sultan's Swing by Mark Knopfley. You know, that's like uber twangy strat. That sounds. is a perfect <laughs> example of strat tone. And I'm just like, it sounds basically exactly like that, which to me I absolutely love. They look very strange inside um the the lace sensors, but ultimately still sounds very, very much like a strat. Right. It just sounds like a, a super strat, I guess I I would say. Um so ultimately, it is, in my opinion, uh, certainly for the time as well, the ultimate strat. That also then sort of gave birth to not only the Jeff Beck signature, but also the Eric Clapton signature. So the Eric Clapton came out in 1989, also had the lace sensors on it, but had the vintage saddles and I think had a vintage radius as right. well on it as well. And his had the active mid-boost. Um that's such a weird blend of things. I know, I know. <laughs> very, very. But then again, he was going through his big 80s phase at that point. Yeah. Um, but the great thing is, is that it basically never goes out of tune, which I remember from the one that I had. Now, the one that I had had a slightly different bridge system, which they did for a very short space of time, which basically had a single locking Floyd Rose trem system. So right. the ball, the strings locked in at, it didn't. They didn't go through body. They actually locked into the saddles. Oh, I, oh, I see. Okay, but obviously it didn't lock at the nut because you had the roller nut in there. Um, so it was, it was super easy to set up because obviously locking machine heads makes it 
really easy. And for the first time ever, it had something which I've never had in a strap before, but they did actually come as standard for a while in many of the strap pluses, which was a hip shot trem setter, which basically compensates for the string tension of the trem when it's in a neutral position. So it basically means if you snap a string, it doesn't go out of tune. But also it means that if you play an open E and then bend a note, it also doesn't dive the trem. It's very weird. That's, a, that's an issue with strats. I didn't know that was an issue, but you, you mentioned that before we pod, podded. Yeah. And actually showed me an example of, on, on one of your guitars. Yeah, doing, I mean, yeah. I guess people, have, you know, strat purists would be like, well, they've always done that, and that's the sound of a strat. And I was like, I get yeah. that. But also, you've got to think, this is 1987, 1988. It's like, you've got openers, like, knocking down the doors of like, every famous guitar player being like, we've got Floyd Rose, our guitars don't go out of tune, like, you can tread all over it. So I think this was very much supposed to be the best strat yeah. you could you could buy. So, and then on the flip side of that, you had the the strat plus deluxe, and the deluxe had different pickups in it. Right. So that's um, different. So was this one humbucking in the bridge with two singles? Was this HSS and the strat plus is SSS? I think that's correct because they also did a deluxe. Plus Telly, which is the right. Johnny Greenwood Telly. Yes, with the double two lace sensors. Yes. Um, humbucker. So, and I think it maybe came in some different colours. Maybe you got a slightly different decal on the headstock or something like that. Right. Um, and then they basically made that guitar all the way up until I think 1999. Wow, it lost maybe it that two, long. Maybe 2001. Um yeah, I'm pretty sure they were discontinued. They went all the way up to that point. They did a bunch of amazing colours, which you, I don't think Fender have ever done before or since. Well, the one um, you got is a is a pretty bonkers colour. I've never seen yeah, anything like it. Black pearl burst. So it's a, I guess a gunmetal grey, metallic gunmetal grey base. Um, I'm trying to make sure I get this the right way around now with a like black burst sprayed over it um or the other way around i guess a black base with the silver the silver burst around so it's it's silver at the tips isn't it and moves to a black and in the inside correct (laughs) i just had to double check it i was like yes that is is the reverse way around from the way you think it would work if you were going to do a black guitar with a burst on it you'd think it would move from dark to light but this one is the reverse so some of the colors they did uh the 88 colors are uber rare and also very cool. Um, so that was the first year that Graffiti Yellow oh, yes, came course. out. And Graffiti Yellow was uh, there because of Jeff Beck. And it was because it's the same colour. And I didn't know this. Fact of the day. And I'm going to pull it up here. So that was basically there's a Jeff, as we all know, Jeff Beck loved hot rod cars. The film American Graffiti had this like hot rodded car in it and it was on the front cover and it was in that yellow. It's a ninety a hot rodded 1932 Ford Coupe featured in American Graffiti, the film American Graffiti. And that's where Graffiti Yellow comes from. So it's the yellow of this hot rodded 30s um, Ford. Ford. 
basically from the film American Fiction. I had no idea. So wow. maybe uh, you learn something new every day. But basically, a couple of the colours that I think look amazing, I've looked them up. Dusty Rose. Dusty so Dust- Rose. Dusty Rose is like a kind of muted shell pink. Right. Um, Ooh, that sounds which, great. Which they only did... Metallic? No, it's like... Oh, it's, it's basically a- like shell pink, but it's a bit darker. It's a bit more... Okay. Dusty, I guess you would say. Right. Um, and they also did, and uh, dear listener, if you're at a computer, you'll definitely need to Google this this color. Uh, they t- they did a color called Raspberry, spelled R A Z Z space B E R Y. Raspberry. Raspberry. Uh, raspberry red. It's a rare, um, yeah, basically 80s color that's sort of in between. Torino red and Fiesta red, I guess. Right. Um, Sounds terrible. They, yeah, it's it's not. It's it's brilliant. I love it. Um, they also had a few different burst colors, as you expect. Um, they're obviously trying to go very much for some of the sort of more modern colors that are out there as well. Um, you also had things like Bahama green. Um, so lots of different kind of guess classic car colors whether they were actual car colors that lipstick red which is again it's a different type of red you don't really see uh caribbean mist um, wow these are these are some funky names. this is pure 80s by name did they um, get like the cast of three men and a baby to write come up with the names yeah, of i these know colors? caribbean mist um they also then had uh electric blue uh sonic blue vintage white so the colors you'd expect and then um, they also did, and these are like uber rare. Um, they also did a bunch of like, they did some aluminium body ones. What? Yeah. So alum- in 1995, 1996, they did some aluminium body strap pluses uh, that had a hollow aluminium body, which then were painted in blue metal burst, stars and stripes, a violet metal burst um and they look wicked uh they look really good they also did some like bowling ball burst finishes as well i guess you would say wow at that point but um for the real history for the real download of the history um go to i'll uh, uh, i'll put this link in the description yeah, z- safari guitars spelled x <laughs> h-e-f-r-i guitars.com and uh, this chap has written a whole thing about it but yeah colors that i would definitely love to see reissued electric blue uh caribbean mist and dusty rose are three colors that i would absolutely love to see in the uh in the fender catalog wow but ultimately with all of that joe it is i played it and just went this is the reason i love strats it's great strat sound great neck profile super easy to play and i was just like if I'm going to collect any type of guitar, I'm, I'm just going to collect Strat Pluses. Yeah. <laughs> I, just, I only want Strat Pluses. Um, they're just they're great guitars. They yeah. really are great guitars. And and people will no doubt poo-poo the, uh, the lace sensors, but they are actually really, What is it that really people don't like about lace sensors? Is I think a lot of people... they sound a bit anemic, a bit thin? I guess a lot of people don't like them because they effectively get rid of everything that technically makes a strat, a strat which is the right. noise and the hum and the, you know, the 
you know, rawness of a classic, you know, strap pickup. And I'm like, no, nah, get rid of all of that. What I want to do is I want to sound like David Gilmore from 1995. <laughs> um, because, yeah, at that point, you know, very much that 90s Pink Floyd thing. Um, you know, it's a certain particular area of... When he was uh, playing the red one. When he was playing the red... Uh, yeah, so he had the red Strat and then he had the triple O one white Strat as well at that point. But the red one had his signature EMGs in it. And again, I th- I think it is that that element of taking away the noise. Right. And then when you take it away and you're like, wow, this guitar's like uber quiet. It's got amazing sustain on it. And I guess perhaps when you're so used to a guitar sounding another way, or even though you might necessarily know what might be causing that, you kind of go, it doesn't sound right, I see. if you know what I mean. But it is actually... And they Lace make a lot of really, really cool pickups, which I'm definitely up for trying at some point in some form or another. And you can actually buy, if you've got a Strat and you've been inspired by uh, by me, you can actually buy the JB loaded pickguard. So you can have the Jeff Beck. So that's the double humbucker um, or the double single coil in the bridge with the two other single coils. But you can also buy the the, the basically the strap plus configuration which is the lace sensor hot gold loaded pit guard so you can just drop that straight into your favorite strat and be Best blown away by how good they sound it it just basically made me want to buy loads of other cheap strats and then basically make <laughs> other strat pluses i just want them to multiply um but it's it's a, it's it's killer guitar it's if you get the chance to try one you won't be disappointed this does make me want to get a strat again. I mean, that time period where I had like four strats at, at, at once, and now now I have none. Now I've got no strats. I've actually got three. I just, I you know, I can't, I can't, I you know, I had none at one point, and then I was like, um, what? Uh, what year is your strat plus? So the strat plus is nineteen ninety five, right? Red. Um, so, so what does that mean? Does that mean uh, better for you in terms of the? You said there were a few changes. There were yeah, changes te- to the nut. Yeah, I think technically a lot of people say that the later ones are slightly better because they've moved to the roller nut rather than right. a sort of comp- compensated steel nut, and also th- there are a couple of other minor spec changes. Um, Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. But to be honest, I think they're all relatively consistent. Um, But yeah, 1995, so nearly, scarily, um, 30 years old. 
well. Wow. Which makes me feel rubbish. It's still fantastic. Still looks pretty much straight out the out the case, really. I mean, it came with the case. It came with the original trem arm, all the original pieces, and all the uh, original tags um, and everything. The only thing I would say, Joe, and this is I'll leave this one to for debate on the Facebook group. Maybe we'll come back to it next week. Played it straight out of the box. I think it had tens on it. I was like, oh, it plays and sounds great. Set up the way I want it. Put elevens on it. Still plays and sounds great, but I'm like, actually, I might have to go back down to tens. What? Why? I just, I, I just, I don't know. It's, when do it had that? tens on it, it had this like slinky uh, kind of feel to it, and I was like, and it was a bit brighter, and I was like, oh, maybe I should have, should have kept it the way it was. But actually, I'll tell you the one thing I had to do, Joe, which was painstaking, but absolutely worth it, is. If you think about it, and I hadn't really clocked this until recently when I bought the Ed O'Brien strap, if you've got a maple fingerboard, you've got to spray that with lacquer. Now, it's obviously when you've got a, like a one-piece maple board, you put the frets in, you can't mask off each individual fret. No, so they... Lacquer over the frets. Lacquer over the whole thing. Yeah. And obviously, as you then uh, crown and, you know... Tr- um, you know, fret dress it. That you know, you don't really think about it, but actually, there's lacquer on either side of the yeah. sides of the fret. You don't play that bit, but obviously, the lacquer is there. Now, as the guitar ages and the lacquer becomes more yellow, but also becomes more brittle, you actually realise that half the frets have got some of the lacquer on, some of the lacquer off. It's chipped. The frets needed a really good clean anyway. Anyway, so I actually spent painstaking amount of time scoring along every individual fret on both sides to peel off all of the lacquer right uh and then buffed all the frets then polished all the frets and now it's like a completely brand new fretboard with like zero fretware the only thing is it's got a couple of ding marks from where it's sat in a you know, in a stand or someone's bumped the base of it. But did you overall, use the Music Nomad Frine? I did. I oh. also used, so I used that last, but what I also used was uh, an Amazon purchase, which actually worked out very well. And I've seen other people using them. I thought I might have got, I don't know, ripped off because I'd never heard of them, but fret erasers. And they are basically rubbers that are ingrained with a certain amount of grit at varying levels that you then work your way through five different stages of grit and it basically polishes them up one by one by one and then frines the whole thing. Wow, that sounds... Well, you really did put the hours in on that fret. I did. I I probably put about... (laughs) Also, because I'm very slow, I probably put about four four or five hours into just cleaning (laughs) that fretboard. Um, I do not have the patience for that. Well, you know, you just put on what do we I can't remember what we even watched. Oh, we watched um we were watching some film. I think oh no, we were watching The Days, which is about the Fukushima nuclear disaster. So very, you know, great background watching while you're while you're uh, cleaning your fretboard. Wow. Um so yeah, put that on, you know, a few episodes of that, and then I'm like, oh I'm done. There we go. And then the rest of the setup was dead easy, apart from the trem set, which I've never done before. And was a minor pain in the ass, but it, once it was set up, it worked very, very well, very, very well. Well, well how about that? Well, that Matt, that kind of uh, that sort of leads us into something you wanted to talk about, which was birth year 
guitars. Indeed. Now, now dear listener, obviously, we've got a, a variety of, of ages of people that listen to this podcast. Some people get a better year than others for, uh, for getting birth year guitars. You get cooler things available to you. Um, I'm 84. What are you? You're 89. 87. 87. Sorry, 87. Okay, so fine. We're so we're, we're kind of in a in a similar area for birth year guitars. You mentioned this earlier, but but this is a time period where Ibanez were absolutely storming, you mm. know, the walls of Gibson and Fender's dominance on the on the guitar world. Um, there were some great things coming out. There were also some real absences from Gretsch and from Gibson in this mm. time period, which really limits us on what we'd uh, what we'd go for. I assume you've put some time and effort thinking about what your dream guitar would be. Eighty-seven, I guess you can't even really have a Strat Plus. Uh, no, unless I cheated and went, "Oh yeah, I'll have the prototype." <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, it was funny because. I was thinking about this because a couple of YouTubers that I, I follow mainly, uh, and I haven't seen him for ages. I don't know if he listens to the podcast, but a chap called Hunter, uh, based out in Atlanta. Uh, oh. He runs a channel called Agufish, um, and he's modded a bunch of guitars, and he's he is a super, super nice dude. And uh, he was talking about, he did a whole video about buying his a birth year Les Paul. He right. really wanted, I think it was like an 89 Les Paul or something like that, Les Paul Custom. And it just got me thinking that I'm just very, very close to a birth year guitar, but also so close that it's annoying that I don't have a guitar from the year I was born because my Paisley, made in Japan Paisley Strat is 88. Ah. <laughs> uh, now, I'm sure if I took the neck off and checked the date and everything, you know, maybe I'd get lucky and the body was built in 80, 87. Um, but it just made me think, actually, you know, it would be very cool to own a guitar from, you know, the year you were born. Yeah. Um, and there is, I mean, 87 was, was a really... Well, it was a great year, uh, certainly for guitars, certainly if you lived in Japan, because the Fender <laughs> Japanese catalogue from, well, actually, they had the same catalogue by the looks of it from 86 to 87. Um, you had a wealth of awesome, awesome guitars, both vintage and uh, and new. Um so you had, of course, the 69 um, Paisley Telly at that point. They also did a all Rosewood Telly wow. at that point, um, which is very, very cool. Uh, they also had, because obviously we're going into the, the 80s here, so there was like Strat options with Kayla Trems. Um, I think they called it the Boxer Series by, by looking at this catalogue. But you had, yeah, basically strats with like deluxe trems, Kayla trems, locking trems. They did a strat with a Floyd Rose and a single humbucker in the bridge. So very much going for the Van Halen thing. Um, they had a bunch of ridiculous 80s like basses right. as well, <laughs> including like a... Basically, is it the Swingster that's got that really weird like pointed body, the guitar that never kind of... Came- came out yeah i think it's the swinger or the swingster um they did at that point so yeah there was a lot of cool stuff uh in the 80s from fender 
But for me, I if I could own any guitar from the year I was born, I would definitely have a 1987 because it's the year it was launched, Ibanez Gem. I mean, imagine being at Nam when Steve Vai, the like the guitar hero of the time, um, basically walks out and he's got this crazy, like, because it was a brand new body shape as well. So you've got the RG with the like the monkey grip, the monkey handle grip. You've then got neon pink, Loch Ness green, and sun yellow. And under the Floyd Rose, that's a different color. All the knobs are like different colors, and you've got neon inlays and a matching neon headstock. Wow. Uh, it's just oh wow, well, what a guitar! <laughs> I mean, I definitely wouldn't ever be able to afford one. Annoyingly, oh. um, the closest I could probably get without being too much money would be the uh, RG five fifty, which is effectively the same body shape as the Gem without the monkey grip and in a, in a more kind of uh, standard um set of kind of colors and specs but yeah an 87 gem for me that, that um very cool kind of joe cool what was 84 uh, well i mean it's 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 the same matt it's the same problem that we have is that actually all the things that i like are kind of 50s 60s 70s and then there's this big plonk of time where the style of guitar really isn't my kettle of fish and uh and unfortunately that is uh, you know 1984 is pretty much bang in the middle of that and it makes me like you know Gibson weren't up to much. There weren't sort of exciting things coming out, uh, you know, not for, for me around that time. Gretsch weren't, you know, that that was the year that the Gretsch family bought back Gretsch. And I don't think mm. guitar production came back until like 87, 88, something like that. Right. So, so there's, you know, so I've got a couple of brands that I would go for out of default, you know, just uh, not there. But then I was like, you're right. You know, Japan, Ibanez, companies like that, they were thinking so far ahead. This doesn't have to be something that's ridiculous and amazing. It can just be a company that at that point in time were making the best possible guitars available. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the, the 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 guitar company that for me was absolutely ahead of the rest, Greco, at that time yes. period. Greco Japan, absolutely absolutely killing it and uh i was i was like right i'll find greco's 1984 catalog and um it's, it's amazing they have this uh, they had this range of guitars called the metalize or metal is uh which is like advanced construction flying k's i even found one on uh on reverb their uh their mint collection series gtz 65 metal is which is uh um I, I'm not entirely sure how to describe it, Matt. So I'm just going to pop it in the uh, in the chat of this discussion, so you can uh, uh, have a little uh, a little click on that and have a have a, <laughs> have a look. A flying V. It's a flying V with an extra bit, an extra horn so on the top. I would describe this as a what's is it. Jackson or ESP that basically have got a flying V where the lower horn, the lower point is shorter than the upper point. But this is in reverse (laughs) with an extra point on the bottom, on the top rather. So it's kind of like, yeah, half Explorer, half flying V, I guess. Um, 
with all of the 80s appointments you could want it's gorgeous yeah yeah Um, like a like it's it's an amazing sort of like off uh vintage white uh their own version (laughs) you've seen the headstock their version of 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 emgs a proper floyd roser it's probably a carter tremors it's greco and they owned carter at the time and uh and like the scratch plate is uh is an anodized gold that's sort of connected to the oh it's not connected to the uh uh, the pickup surrounds, but it's almost matching. And yes, Matt, you have try and explain the headstock to people. So the headstock is a very large point that would cause serious damage to someone. Um, <laughs> but basically, they went well because it's a Floyd Rose, and you lock the strings at the nut. There's no point in actually having machine heads, so they've put a headstock on it. But they've got no machine heads. It's just a bit of extra triangle yeah. at the end. Amazing. Um, yeah, Greco GTZ65. They, they're amazing. The whole GTZ range is actually an incredible deal. Listener, please check them out. They are some of the coolest, very, very Japanese in the 80s guitars you'll ever see. In fact, in the uh, 1984 uh, Greco catalogue, the next page is uh, is titled, Are You Ready for Carla? And it is all about their bass and guitar um, trem systems that you can retrofit onto some of their bases right. as wow. well as their guitars. So flying V's and flying K's with, uh, um, with bridges, but no. Okay. So, so I'm moving away from it. Obviously that's not actually what I want. If I wanted a birthday guitar, I just know that Greco's were making in amazing quality Gibson style guitars at that time period. And I think if I was gonna, if I was going to pick one thing, be a 1984 Greco black beauty, Les Paul. Just a, nice, you know. Didn't you have pro- one of those? I did. It wasn't an '84, but I did have one, and I should have bought it, shouldn't I? It was part of my Japanese guitar shop, you know. So I'd, I'd have had to buy it because it came comes through a supplier to me. But I, I should have bought one. I, I let them all go, and I, I regret it. Um, that wasn't the one that uh, our good friend uh, Thorpey. No, Thorpey did buy one of them. In fact, he did get one of the Grecos, but he bought the uh, he bought one of the Mint series, um, and it was uh, just the standard dual humbucker, and they were like the exposed coil humbuckers, right. the standard humbuckers. I um, wanted the actual Black Beauty one with the gold humbuckers and three of them. <laughs> right, I um, because <laughs> yeah, I was looking at uh, when we were sort of researching for this. I was looking at Bill Lawrence guitars. Now I don't know a yeah. huge amount about Bill Lawrence guitars, apart from the fact I think he was like effectively a kind of custom shop in the seventies and eighties. I think he was really well renowned for um, basically. Oh, he's actually German. I didn't know that. Uh, as a musician, Lawrence created pickups. Uh, he then went to work on with as Framus. Uh, he was also a Fender in Dorsey. He basically designed guitars for Fender, Gibson, PV, and other companies. He also helped develop the Super Humbucker, uh, and yeah, made his own guitars as well. Bill Lawrence guitars, which you can still find to this day. And on Reverb, there is two ridiculous Bill Lawrence guitars, of which I want both. Uh, one is a birth year guitar, which is an '87. <laughs> Bill Lawrence Esquire in blue burst. Um, matching headstock. With a matching headstock and a trem. Um, <laughs> it's 
It's ridiculous. Matt, and it's lovely. even available at a shop near you. I know, I know. Amazing. <laughs> it's actually even got yeah, it's even got like a um like a tummy cut and an arm cut as well. So it's basically it's like ridiculous. a strap but with a telly body with a trem. Uh, but more interesting than that, which I, I just think is, I don't know, I just, this got me thinking about mod mode very much, but they've also got a Bill Lawrence Challenger 1, which is effectively right. a Strat with one single coil in the bridge <laughs> and one volume oh. control. And uh, it made me think very much about... Um, and I forget his name, really sorry, Joe, I'm sure you remember, from... Um, Bleak District Effects. Bleak District, you, we talked about it last about week. thinking about the, uh, the strat that he had there. there lots yes. of, I put a picture of it in my sort of photos of the day on yeah. the Guitar Nets group on Facebook, and lots of people have pointed out and been like, this is very weird, what is this? Yeah, it's... Um, yeah, basically, this is a great example of a Bill Lawrence BCO far 50... BCOR55, which features a solitary S3 black label pickup. Bill Lawrence's heart was in pickups, and he had um, he had them basically host them in a fine range of instruments. Uh, we are putting this one at early 1983, all original, including Lawrence stamped saddles. Um, Damn, one year, one year too early for me. I know, I know. Um, and another maple fretboard for me. I was like, I need a strap with a rosewood fretboard now. Mm. Um, but I just think there's something like incredibly simple, but also very charming about this guitar. Um, it's just ridiculous, and I Are love we going it. through an eighties phase, Matt. Is that what's I think so? I think that's it. I'm just I'm just going full eighties. Right, I'm going to get my gem. Um, actually, friend 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 of. Uh, Friend of ours, good friend of mine, Alex Hutchins, has I think ev- almost every gem they've <laughs> ever made. Like yeah. in terms of models, he's got an original. And yeah, I never see him playing one. Uh, no, they all uh, they're all in his house somewhere. Um, yeah, he's got an original six string and the original seven string. Because don't forget, I think they were like the first commercial available seven strings or something like that. Right. Um, he's got like the Frank Gambale signature from the eighties as well. Um, I mean, Ibanez, you can see why coming all the way back around to the Strat Plus, why when um Dan Smith and and that sort of took over, they were like, we've got a big challenge ahead of us. You think? Yeah, Fender Japan have been smashing the classics, and they're doing a much better job at building guitars than we are in America. You've got Ibanez again from Japan. You know, with all of the best guitar players of the day, they're doing all this crazy out there stuff. Uh, you know, Gibson, I guess Gibson weren't, no one's really talking about Gibson at that point. 80s Gibsons, does it really ever sort of, do you ever go, oh, I think actually Rabia's got a 80, no, no, he's got a 78 um, custom. But you, yeah, you don't really hear people talking about Fender and Gibson. You had all these other brands at that point. Yeah. So you can see when they came back in, they must have been like, oh, I've really got to like, step it up a notch um and so they did but yeah i mean 80s ibanez that's that's the one that's the one for me i think you you've really you've stoked the the flames here for me i'm going to spend the rest of my evening like looking through old catalogs of like greco and bernie and ibanez and trying to find a, a dream under the radar that i could get for on the cheap 
uh, guitar. We'll see. The um, the other thing that I would, the other guitar, I guess I would add into that, and I've only played one, and it was only very briefly, um, but an eighties up to about eighty nine, I guess PRS. So right. those really early eighties PRSs, uh-huh. where you had volume, and then the sweet switch basically which is like your tone control um obviously all hand built in america on a much smaller scale much more hands-on i mean prs's are just as good now as they were then but there is something very cool about some of the 80s ones i'm just like yeah that would uh they were very, and they did some great colors then as well including some very cool pink prs's from the <laughs> 80s of course <laughs> um so yeah I think the best time to get a birthday guitar is if you were born in the 80s. Yeah. I mean, certainly, you know, and sorry for all the listeners born in the, in the 70s, but um, 70s strats, Ooh, not exactly yeah. got the best uh, <laughs> best pick of the bunch there, unfortunately. No, that is, um, uh, that is a shame. Yeah. Now, um, uh, before we before we go on this uh, podcast, I do want to um, I want to do a, a talk a little bit about the. Uh, you know that do our demo do our show and tell for the uh for the week um because actually that today if you're listening to the podcast as a patreon listener and you're listening to it when it comes out or yesterday if you're listening to it as a as a regular podcast um great eastern effects co launched a new pedal called the well a new old pedal the focus fuzz silicon so the focus fuzz is a pedal that's part of the range that great eastern make and it's a part germanium part silicon based fuzz but uh you know Germanium transistors being rare and very expensive and temperamental. Mm-hmm. Indeed, um, that's has, the key. That's the key word there. Temperamental. <laughs> temperamental is the key word. Uh, it means that Great Eastern has decided to make a silicon version, but really try to emulate every such nuance of the germanium version. And I think they've got some videos up comparing the two because they're still running doing the germanium one. But basically, the silicon one is more affordable. Uh, because you know the parts cost less money, so and it, and it does very much a, a really similar job. But it's a great, super simple fuzz where I kind of really liked the simplicity of the controls, but how unique they were. Just three rotaries. You've got a fuzz, a focus, and a level control. Obviously, you know what the level's going to do. The fuzz control actually uh, it alters the transistor bias at the same time as the gain. So the fuzz control is able to like offer kind of desirable sounds at all settings you know it's not just something you need to turn mm. up to make mm. it sound good it's it's designed to work a couple of controls at once which i think is a, a great idea often a problem with fuzzes and then the focus control progressively increases gain whilst rolling off low end which is okay. really interesting so it means as you're as you're moving clockwise you're getting this more mid pronounced thinner raspier um fuzz tone more sort of maestro and then anti-clockwise you're getting this fatter full-bodied sound that works really well on bass but it gives you that gorgeous sort of spluttery sound mm-hmm. it's it's mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. does a little bit more than a tone control and I, and I kind of felt once i understood what those two controls did um because of course you know what i did when i when i had to go on the pedal i just turn everything and sort of see where it is but once i understood what those controls were doing it was really easy to dial in a number of really usable tones sure um, 
It was very good indeed. So, so I want to. I'm going to play you a, a, a demo, dear listener. I'll play you a little bit of a guitar one, maybe a little bit of how good I thought it sounded on bass as well, and then, uh, and then, yeah, we'll discuss it after that. So here, Sounds here is. Good. Here is some blues. So this the guitar version we're going for kind of a low gain. So the low bias and gain control with a relatively rotated mid-focused um focus control. <laughs> ever heard you play the blues joe but i could just picture you at the dog and bone just absolutely ripping that one I, uh, it was absolutely fantastic i would love to claim responsibility but actually uh tim the guitarist from Poly- oh! Polyman, he was he was round he was round yesterday oh, and i was like joe. i was like i'll play the rhythm guitar if you want to do some lead stuff so uh <laughs> Oh, so, uh, Joe, you had me there. I was like, "Whoa, Joe, absolutely!" I was like, "Oh man!" Like, no, that was uh, that was Tim. He brought he brought his fidelity round. So that was his uh, weird upside down uh, fidelity with uh, with twelves on it and uh, action it, high enough for you to you know put your whole hand underneath. It, um, yeah, I <laughs> sounded really good. Ras- you- raspy and glitchy when it needed to be. Yeah. Um, but you know, it had to its name, it had quite a bit of focus to it, really cut through the mix, low to sustain, uh, bordered on overdrive at points, but yeah, obviously when you're digging in, you're getting a little bit more out of it. So yeah, I th- was, yeah, two thumbs up. I thought it sounded great. Do you know what really my, did. my setup for that, for, for Tim is obviously <coughs> his fidelity guitar into the great Eastern focus fuzz into a, um, uh, boss uh oh what's it called the 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 little thing the xd the 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 
What do you call the cube? There we go. Oh, cube. the cube. Oh, can, oh can, the dual cube. The dual cube. Just going yeah. to a dual cu- cube with the like their Fender, so the American style right. preset on it. A little bit of reverb off out. of it. Line out. Line out into into wow. my interface because I was in my lounge, so I was like, oh, I'll just grab my laptop and like you know a random interface that works on bus power. So that was it. Wow. That, that was the the whole thing. I did I did nothing to it, like a little bit of mastering on it, so I could play it on here. But that's it, and it sounded. Great. It really did. Well, good job. Uh, you had me fooled there, Joe. <laughs> I thought that was you. Um, well, well, without wanting to make this, you know, a complete sort of demo podcast, this is me. Here's some blues now with me playing a fidelity <laughs> bass with this pedal to show how versatile this pedal is. So in this case, I'm going the other way. Actually, I've kept the fuzz low, but the focus control is completely the other way. Loads of woof, loads of wob. And uh, I'm using my fidelity bass, strung with flats, with the mute kit on, so I've got a, <laughs> so, and I'm playing lead bass. Here it is. There it was. The uh, same pedal, <laughs> almost the same setup. This time it was going into the bass cube. <laughs> uh, again, I thought it sounded. It sounded. It had. It had uh, an air of zapper about it. Set like sort of late, like early seventy, late sixties, early seventies kind of jam band zapper yeah. type thing. Um, I thought it sounded great. Um, I could picture that. And you'll like this. I could picture it being a kind of Jack Bruce cream yeah. type thing. Exactly. Rocking exactly. the Albert Hall, going through an eight by ten. Sounded great. That that sound for bass is is just so good, so underused. These days, like whenever whenever people apply fuzz to bass, it's inevitably to make a sort of Chris Wolfham, what's it like? Uh, like tone, Wolfen like the, style, yeah, whatever. whatever yeah, uh, yeah. It's that muse. It's a very modern. It's very gated. It's very like a synthesizer, but it's a bass guitar. That's that's what fuzz mm. is for bass. Mm. But actually, you're like, and I'm sure you can do this if you just roll off the tone on your bass, rather than if you don't have flats and you know just palm mute it or something. But yeah. Like, bass fuzz when you've got not very much high end going on you get that it sounds like your speaker is collapsing in the amplifier yeah. and it is just the coolest sound i love it yeah i thought um yeah i look forward when so when's that out mr it's, it's out it's out now well it's out we're recording on a monday matt so it comes out tomorrow morning on tuesday so it's uh it's it, out it, now it, go it, and it's buy out it now for for anyone listening so guitar yeah. notes discount of course not <laughs> <laughs> Jack the price up, if anything. Yeah. Um, 
Cool. No, I go. think um, great. Once again, great demos. I should really do a demo of my. Yeah, I want to hear your strap. I should, uh, what I should do is no backing track. I'll just I'll just jam on some sounds for a bit, and everyone can hear how <laughs> super stratty it sounds. Yeah, that would be great. Um, you should do that. Indeed, but uh, yeah. Well, I look forward to trying it out at some point. You'll have yeah. to send me a box of stuff again, Joe. Oh, yeah, I will Probably do, actually. once I... Actually, no, nah, don't wait till I move. Um, you want just, a box just of stuff it, now, do you? Okay. Yeah, just, just send it, it over. It wasn't enough for me to give you a Strat Plus. You want a box of stuff now as well. Yeah, well, you know, I don't keep that stuff. I have to give <laughs> it back. That's true. That is true. Um, well, dear listener, that is about all the time we have on this week's episode of the Guitar Nerds podcast. Matt and I are going to head over to Patreon. If you want to get in touch with us or ask a question or for any reason at all, if you have a brand or anything that you think we should be checking out, or if you've just got a question or a suggestion of a dad joke, please do reach out. You can get in touch with us via email, info at guitarnerds.net, DM us on Instagram, you know, write us on Facebook. However you want to get a hold of us is absolutely fine. We're heading over to Patreon to talk about this week's questions of the week. I think we've got one from Jeffrey Wax and one from Martin Cox, perhaps. Um, you can join us there. Visit patreon.com forward slash guitar nerds for all the info on how to sign up and support our charming community. You can do that for as little as a dollar a month. Thank you for listening. You've been lovely. We've been the Guitar Nerds. Farewell. Goodbye. <laughs>very much everyone for listening to this week's episode of the guitar nerds podcast thank you to our top tier patreon backers for your constant support and making it possible for us to continue doing this podcast thank you to rocket rob patterson marcus deluxe dorsonic pickups rob witherden chris franklin anton fryant russ Meehan, barry gresbick steve davis daniel walker Jorin Brown, John Conaway, Russell Healing, Yogi the Guitarist, Ty Allen, Kyle Harris, Sean Hughes, Andy Hoffler, Eric Hemmer, Jeffrey Wax, Brian Einzer, Mark Izal Kadawaki, Stuart Robson, Eric File, Peter Pesce, Andy Manley, Joe Puttick, Blake Wyland, Phil Radomski, Dave Lee, Ross Edwards, Jason Morton, James Dorr, Jake Gray, Derek Rich, Scott Kennedy, Steve Merkel, Abe Matthews, Christopher Losef, Stephen Burke, Robin Smith, Kytopia the Band, J.D. Short, Andy McKenzie, Brad Page, Paul Corrigan, Rob Nordvik, Scott O'Brien, and of course, the wonderful Moog Gravit. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.